You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is designed by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that doesn't just speak to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have walked that path, have loved uh, you know, those communities, and have done God's work in small, out-of-the-way places. Again, if you're tuning in and you're just looking for some wisdom, some advice, some encouragement, I would just hope that you would uh, uh, listen closely because, again, every single week, we just want you to walk away with those three things in mind to feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to serve God in your small town context. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today we have a great opportunity to speak with Pastor Alvin Kosky, and I'm excited to hear kind of some of his journey and for you to tune into his journey. There's a lot of lessons here about, you know, what do you do with churches who have experienced a lot of transition, poor transition, pastors in and out a lot, and even a, a great compelling vision for discipleship. And so we're going to dive into those topics. First thing I want to do is just say, hi, Pastor Alvin, how are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me today, and I, I just enjoy uh, an opportunity just to discuss the the role ministry. And so excited to to share my experience and and the success we've had here down in Kimball. Awesome. Well, cool, man. I'm so glad you're here today as well, and I'm just super looking forward to our conversation. Uh, one of the first questions we ask anybody is just to uh, kind of connect us to your background. You know, maybe take a second, share some of your background in ministry. And your connection to the rural church, you know? Well, I've been in a ministry for 26 years, anywhere from youth pastor to associate pastor to senior pastor. So I've been doing that for many years. I uh, got my credentials through the Nebraska School of Ministry. So my, but my very first church that I got to be a senior pastor in uh, was a rural church in uh, Baird, Nebraska. And the church had about 25 people in there. So I, that was kind of my first church that I got to go to and, and be a part of. And and then uh, I left for, I was there for about three years. And then uh, I went up to Upper Michigan for about three years. And then God just, I just really felt like God said, it's time to get back into, and back into pastoral ministry. And so, uh, so I started reaching out to different districts and in Nebraska, basically Nebraska is kind of my home and I've been pretty much part of Nebraska for a long time. And so, so I reached out to Toby, who was the superintendent, asked him if there was any open churches. And he mentioned that Kimball was going through a transition where the pastor was going to be leaving. And so I contacted the the pastor here and uh, we uh, met over or talked over the phone. And a month later, I moved back, to, I moved down there to Kimball. And so I've been here about two and a half years in uh, Kimball and just excited uh, for what God's doing down here in Kimball. So. Awesome. And uh, give us a brief snapshot. Uh, what's the town of Kimball like and what's the church like? Just give us kind of, you know, some snippets there. All right. So we, uh, the the town of Kimball is about 2,500 people. And um, we're, we're kind of on the edge of a gro- little growth. Um, they're talking, you know, maybe we might grow another thousand. We got some military things coming in uh, our oh, community cool. and stuff. So so they're doing some missile silos and upgrades and some of that. So, so we might get some boost out of that. But for the most part, we're we're right on uh, Interstate I eighty. We're the last town before you get to Wyoming, and then Highway seventy one comes from Scotts Bluff, comes right down to Kimball. So we're kind of right in that corner of Colorado and Nebraska. And so when I came here, when I came here to Kimball, we 
Um, the church was about 50 people. They were very healthy, very good church. Um, the pastor had been here about five years. Um, and then the previous pastor for him had been here about five years. So, so they had some uh, consistency as far as pastors. And so, so uh, as I came to Kimball, uh, this was my first time ever doing this, but uh, the pastor was leaving, but he felt like I wanted, he wanted me to kind of just uh, kind of get to know the people before I just took over as the pastor. And so, so for the first month, I just, all I did was just interacted with people and I just engaged with them and I talked with them and I just spent time with them. And, and then uh, about a month later, I kind of, I did more of the preaching and kind of went into that. And then uh, he left in March, uh, actually about two years ago from today. And, uh, and I just transitioned right into the, the pastoral ministry. And so we're, we're currently running uh, between 90 and hundred people um, here in Kimball. And so uh, God's been very good to our church and we've been very successful right now. Awesome. Well, that's so exciting to hear. Yeah. And and honestly, even what you touched on right there, this topic of transition and what it looks like, I would love to, uh, you know, let that be the first place we dive into. Um, okay. And it's just great to hear about, yeah, your background and your connection. And it's, it's cool, the experiences God has kind of walked you through. But I do, um, you know, I do want to mention maybe an, an idea or a mindset that we discover in the rural church a lot. You mentioned when we talked over the phone, the pastoral transition really does happen often in a small town. Sometimes in a healthy context, it can still look pretty rapid, but in an unhealthy context, it can just kind of feel like this perpetual, um, you know, revolving door. And so maybe walk us through in your perspective, how does a pastor help a church who's maybe been wounded by frequent transition kind of rebuild trust? So uh, when I first went to Baird, um, which the church was about 25 people, um, that church had been through, several transition. They went through like three or four pastors in three or four years. Uh, each pat, no pastor stayed more than a year. And they just, and they wounded people as they left. They hurt the uh -huh. different people. There was church splits going on. And uh, so when I got in there, the church was kind of run by our, our presbyter in our section. Sure. And he was trying to run his church in that church. So, but he <laughs> was doing the best he could. And so when I came in, the, the church was 25 and most of the people were 65 and older other than sure. my family. And, and they were excited to see some kids cause I have four kids. And, sure. uh, and so anyways, when I came in, the first thing I felt God said, you know, that, that I, that I just needed to, to just to get healthy. And so we, we spent majority of, we were there for three years. And so that was kind of our, kind of our, I felt like that was what helped us get over that the hurts over all the time is most of those pastors never stayed more than a year. And the fact that we sure. stayed for three years and we built trust and we, we just, I just worked a lot one-on-one -on -one with people. And then mm -hmm. even during my, even my sermons and, and stuff that we were doing, all of it was about mending and giving unforgiveness and letting go of those things. And, and so a lot of that, it helped finally. So when, when I left to go to Michigan, that church was, we were still only about 30, 30, sure, 35 people, sure. but it was very, very healthy. And, and the people were no longer wounded. They finally got past those. And that's what kind of helped that transition was just consistently of being there and pouring into their lives, knowing that I'm not just going to leave as soon as some 
controversy happens. And we had several times where controversy came in the church and turmoil tried to happen, but we were able to work through it and to squash it and to, you know, to live that life of integrity and approach and just do those things in those small communities. And, and I was also involved in uh, the local school. And so that kind of helped uh, a lot of, to make those connections into the schools. And so when they knew I was in, in the school, they knew I was in the community and I was going to stay sure. there for a while. So I think that helped to be a part of the community and part of the church and the, the school. So, yeah. And, and you know what, uh, several nuggets of wisdom right there. I mean, I think as pastors, uh, we often feel judged by what we do. And so we, we go into a new place and we want to instantly mobilize and we want to be doing outreach and we want to be, you know, raising our giving and, and doing more with missions or, or whatever the, the cause is. Um, but really it sounds like you took, three years of your life and just said, Hey, what if I helped these 25 people? Not, not to yeah. say you didn't do anything else in that time, but, yeah. but the impression I get is that a large part of it was just, what if I sat down one-on-one, heard people's hurts, walked through them and really like took that approach to, to disciple long-term health, you know? Yeah. And that's uh that's a powerful perspective. I mean, honestly, as pastors, we could all learn from that because again, yes, I think sometimes as pastors, we really do. We want to jump in and say, let's save the world. And we look at the task force we have and go, wait a second, who's who's helping these guys first get to a place of wholeness, you know, and get to a place where they truly feel valued and and, and all those things. And so, man, that's that's a powerful place to start in our conversation. I'm, mm. I'm, you know, I'm sure that it wasn't fun at the time, but I'm sure that, you know, it's cool to have walked through yeah. that with the Lord and, and seen that church, mm. you know, grow. So, yes. well, hey, let's uh, let's keep trucking here. You know, let's uh, uh, one of the conversations that I'm excited to have with you is about your own transition, right? Because obviously you know, we see moments like that where there's been this revolving door and, and trust is hard to come by. But then, because you kind of had a unique opportunity in the town of Kimball where the the lead pastor had been there, he'd been healthy, and he got to be present as you handed it off. And obviously that um, in big churches where there's money and there's resources, it's not that uncommon to find succession plans. But in a rural mm-hmm. church, it's hard to pull that off. So why don't you, I know you mentioned it briefly, but let's dive in. Like, what did that transition look like start to finish? And and then we're going to really hit the nuts and bolts of what made it possible. So why don't you just start by telling us how right. it all went down? So um, as I say, and I was uh, when I was when I really felt like man, I really wanted to come to to Nebraska um, back to church or back to pastoring. Pastor Stephen, and that was the former pastor. You know, we we met over the phone, and and he kind of asked me my background. I told him where I'd been, what I'd kind of done, and so that was kind of my interview process. And 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 this was the first church I ever heard of where a current pastor picks the next pastor. Oh, I wow, never had yeah. been a part of that. And so um, so that was kind of unique. And, and when I mentioned it to uh, a different pastor, he was like, I don't know if I would go for that, but it worked <laughs> out. And so so we, we we sold our house up in Michigan and we transitioned down here to Kimball. And we, we uh, with the house, so the in Kimball, we have a parsonage, but we also have a ministry house. So we actually have two mm-hmm. houses that is pretty unique for a rural town, but we have two houses. Sure. And so, so the, the current pastor lived in the parsonage and I lived in the ministry house and, and, um, and both of them are on the same property with the church. And so it's really close. And, and so what I just did for the first month, as I mentioned, was just, I just spent time with people and got to, got to know them. They got to know me, what I liked, what I, you know, and everybody in the church knew this pastor was leaving. So it wasn't like a surprise. So he mentioned like, Hey, God's calling me. He didn't know where he didn't know when, but he knew that God was calling him. And so, 
So I didn't even know when he was going to be leaving. I mean, it was kind of like, okay, you know, but as soon as he, I felt like, okay, it was about the first of the year. I kind of felt, okay, I feel like this is where we're starting to transition. Uh, I'd really spent a lot of time preaching and, and uh, we were doing two services. We did a Saturday night and a Sunday. Um, and we were, we were rotating and, and getting to know people. And, and I just felt like that's where a lot of it, we, a lot of people invited me into their homes. I invited people to our house. We just had dinners together and we just made that transition very, I've never seen one this smooth. And, you know, obviously the pastor left in good terms. And a lot of times that doesn't ever get to happen. Or like sure. I said, in a big church, you have the finances to do that. So when I came to Kimball, um, the, the church couldn't offer me very much, you know, they offered me a hundred dollars a week. And so I, so I started working at the school as I have done before as a cook. And so I, that was kind of my job. And so I was in the school and, uh, and then as I transitioned, I kind of left the school and now I'm back into the school again, but, oh, sure. uh, but I just, I felt like that was kind of where I wanted to be, just be involved with the people. And so as we started getting here, just the connections. And so when the pastor finally said, okay, this is where I'm going to be going. This is the date I'm going to be leaving. I He really just handed me everything, like every board meeting, every, pretty much sure. I ran the business meetings, all the kind of stuff, just to, to make sure that I was going to be comfortable with this. You know, I paid all the bills, did those type of things, uh, you know. And so a lot of that was able to, it was so if I had any questions, he would say, okay, this oh, is sure, how we yeah. need to prove it. So really hell, it was such a, a beautiful transition I felt for Kimball. And uh, I think it helped the church. Most of the people, I don't think we lost anybody that let, was mad because the pastor was leaving, sure, you know, sure. some were that's, hurt. That's I mean, cool. was, yeah, for you sure. Know, oh, you, sure. You have yeah. those relationships, but for the most part, everybody felt like this was of God and it was a great transition. And so I just appreciated like just the opportunity to get to experience something like that in a rural church. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and and even, you know, some of the things that I pull out that hopefully other pastors could learn from is like, you know, I, I think I think there was a time when we looked at bivocational ministry as kind of less than or second class, you know, and mm -hmm. I think we're really being honest. But when I look at the future of the church, you know, like, like, it is, it's not only not a sin, it's it's really like a, it's something to be proud of to like, yes. not, not like, yeah. like, arrogant, but like, yeah. but like, confident that like, in that case, if, if what's best for this rural church is for you to move to a town, uh, find work, and then jump into the church as you're given the opportunity, like that's a, a very valid path, you know? And the second thing I love is whether the, the the old pastor's around or not, even your approach of just saying, hey, why don't we just take some time one-on-one? -on -one? Even if a pastor doesn't experience the other good factors you had, you can still take the first month, two months, three months of a church and really just sit down and, and like hear the heart of people. And so, man, that's cool stuff. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's keep digging into, uh, you know, some lessons from your journey here. So uh, one of the things that I would love to hear from you about is uh, so I know that your church has some cool programs, right? Uh, you yeah. talked to me about like a new member class and 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 some some people do membership where it's really brief and short, but it seems like you guys really tried to invest in it and make it regular and long term. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you had this foundations class. And so tell us what what both of those look like. And then, you know, kind of how that's played into your discipleship, you know, why, and maybe why you value it so much, you know, is, is what I'm asking. So to give us the overview and then why, why you value it so much. Okay. So we, uh, when we first moved here, the, the vision of the pastor currently here was his, his was really about getting people to love God, love people, you know, and it was all about community. But, 
but I felt like God, when I came here, God really gave me the, the, the heart for discipleship. And I felt like that's what God wanted me to was, was focused on was discipleship. And he gave me a, a kind of a, a verse and it was in Peter and when Jesus is talking to Peter at the, you know, in the end of John and he says, you know, he said, do you love me? And, and Peter's like, well, of course I love you, Lord. And he's like, well, feed my lambs. And and then he tells him again, and he's like, feed my lambs. And then finally he says, feed my sheep. And and I felt like that was kind of what God had said. That was kind of my kind of my premises and my vision was that we needed to feed the, the lambs, which are like little kids. And then sure. the other lambs was like new believers, those that sure. are the new converts that's going to be coming in. And then the sheep were the the part of the people that had already been a part of the church. And so, sure. so that was kind of my vision that we were going to do that type of thing. And so, so uh, as we started uh, approaching it, I met with our leadership team and, uh, and I have a great leadership team and there was, I only had a youth pastor when we first started, but I ended up having an associate pastor. And, you know, we, we added other members just through different things. And so, so we just kind of laid out, we, we brainstormed and come up with some great discipleship and, and, and I got to kind of got to, I wanted to get away from the, the word Sunday school. Cause that, cause sometimes sure, Sunday school sure. just makes people think like, well, well it has some baggage is, and, you, you know, know this is just Sunday school, time, you know, yeah. but so we kind of just called them discipleship classes and that's where we kind of, yeah. and so, so we, we finally came down as we wanted to do like a six week membership class, which is kind of welcoming class. And we kind of made it mandatory for everybody, whether you've been in the church oh, really? for one day or if you're say, you've been in the church deacons, for 30 years. Leadership. I mean, you're yeah. talking to everybody. Everybody went through this uh, welcoming membership class. And so it was six weeks. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, in our first go around, we probably had 50 people that actually went through the class. Sure, yeah. You know, and yeah. so, and uh, then of course, so yeah, we were pretty time, excited. Yeah, sure. And we did those right before church service. So like during the Sunday school time. But we were also in a process with our building here that we we really outgrew our building. Within sure. one year of me being here, we outgrew our building. And so we had to transition over to a, a theater. We were renting a, a local theater. And so we we, we were starting another uh, membership or another class for discipleship. And uh, my associate pastor kind of wrote this curriculum, but it was a, it's just a foundations class. And it was 18 weeks. And it's basically... Oh, wow everything that you need to know about foundation, building about grace and understanding how you, you need how to tithe, how to, you know, what baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, I mean, communion, all of those things, like how to serve. So all those 18 weeks. And so um, that was, so everybody that went from the membership class went right into that class. And then I would start the next membership class. And I think the next membership, we waited for about six weeks. And then, and then I started the next one and I had about 20 people that went through that. And, uh, and so, uh, but those people were over in the theater and I, they were doing the, the 18 weeks of the, the foundations class. And then I was doing a, a membership class back at the old building. And so we were kind of doing that and we found great success, but God also brought me to a, a thing where we were starting to do these small groups and, and before they were called life groups, we call, I just sure. transitioned to call connect groups. Cause I connection sure. is about everything with me. And so we just called them connect groups. We were having about, 30 people that were going to our connect groups. And, uh, you know, actually today or yesterday was our record for our connect groups. And, oh, really? uh, you know, we had 22 kids and, and I do a kids connect group and uh, we had 22 kids here with four adults. And then we have two other groups that they were together and they decided to split and do their own group. 
And they actually had 38 people between both of them groups wow. in their homes. And so yeah. they're like, well, we're going to start a third group because we're like, wow. that's way too many people. Because we want to stay in that 12 to 14 people. Yeah. So you can yeah, really yeah, for get... sure, for sure. Yeah, a true blue so, kind of small group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the discipleship has really been our kind of our thing, you know, and and, and I feel like sometimes like, like harvesting, you know, we want to do something with the harvest, not just harvest it, but we want to preserve those things. And so that's been oh, our, sure. our, our forefront with the whole thing of discipleship. And so I made sure that was out in front. I'm very transparent with my church. And so I, I pretty much use the whole concept of discipleship and feeding lambs and feeding sheep, you know, so. Sure. And that's where we're at today. Yeah. So. No, that's huge. And honestly, uh, you know, when I've, when I've had similar conversations with people about this topic, you know, cause, cause again, all of us would like to say as churches, you know, yeah, we disciple people. Well, I mean, it's, it's the great commission. It's huge. It's important. It's in our minds, but the people who have done it with the most success, what I have often found is that they have some common characteristics. You know, even what you mentioned of saying, Hey, we're not going to take anyone for granted. You know, I think sometimes we, we make these lines and say, well, sister such and such has been in the church for 60 years. She can't, she doesn't need this or these. It's like, no, no, no. As a culture, as a rule, as a, you know, like you said, foundation, uh, we're going to walk through this stuff together and, and to see obviously now the fruit, you know, I would almost say, and I'm I'm sure you could back me up on this or not, but like the success of your small groups probably is in part due to kind of this culture of cultivating these foundational principles. You know, mm-hmm. man, that's huge. And any pastor can learn from that, you know, get the buy-in, make everybody do it and and try and find something that works, you know, and that's, uh, man, that's cool stuff. And I was going to just add one part yeah, in there. Go ahead. So go ahead. There was one lady that been in our church. I think she said she'd been a mem- member of this church for like 42 years and she had to sure. go through the, and she said, you know, I just forgot how much I actually remembered. Like I, I forgot I needed a refresher and even she oh, enjoyed sure going through this, you know, and so, and she's actually 82 years old, but she actually enjoyed going through it too. Sure. Well, and honestly, that's, that's part of my next question is, uh, you know, obviously the fruit, you know, these good connect groups and kind of this growth in your church, you know, we could contribute or at, or attribute to this, you know, these, these classes, but, but uh, maybe highlight, you know, a few of these other stories, you know, what, what are some things people have said, what's the fruit it's kind of produced in the lives of your parishioners, you know? So it was, I don't know, probably when I first got here, I started searching out who was going to be like maybe some leaders that I wanted to find, you know, to make kind of our core leaders. And And there was a gentleman in my church that uh, that he was struggling with drinking really heavily. And and so uh, so uh, but God had pulled, like put a spotlight on this man and said, man, this man needs to be a leader. And, and sure. so I went to him and I said, man. God's saying you're going to be a leader. And he's looking at me like going, what, you know? And so, so I just started investing in this man's life. I mean, we met at least once a week, maybe every two weeks we got together and I just would encourage him. You know, I knew he was struggling with alcohol and I would try to try to mentor him through that. And, you know, finally he went down to like a rehab place and got kind of got rehab, but it was through that, that he eventually, he's, he's actually our men's leader now. And he's also a, um, he's a part of our church and so much in areas, you know, he's kind of got the call of evangelism on his heart. He is, oh, wow. he has brought so many people into our church just through that. And uh, we, we kind of have the title in our town that we just, we're just a church of misfits. Not that sure, it, sure. it's not, it's not that we're a church of sinners. It's just that we have misfits because people, there's lots of people that come from different backgrounds and, and struggle oh, nice. with different things, but it's through that, that process of like, so, so I challenge all my leaders to find somebody else that they would pour their life into 
who could take their spot. And uh, it didn't matter if they were 20 years old or if they were 80 years old. You know, I have several le- I have several leaders that are in their 70s and 80s. And so um, but that was our kind of our thing. And so as as they would find somebody, they just started pouring into their life. And, and a lot of it, it was just connection, connection, connection. And uh, they ju- they would just meet. Um, and then God would maybe sometimes give them certain words. But sure. through that fruit, I felt like we started to grow. And, and through our community, um, I just people have spoke so highly of our church and just that we're involved in everything. I mean, we have a local nice. ministerial group that um, a lot of the other pastors, just you know, even the pastors here didn't necessarily participate in that. You know, but I'm so plugged into there. I try to do everything in community and, and through that we have grown so much. And so I, I, t- I told you we were in the we went to the theater and we were running well over 100 people in this theater. Sure. And, you know, but the problem was, is that the church, the theater just didn't feel like home, you know, sure, sure. but we were still seeing people get saved and they were still going through discipleship. So I felt there was a lot of fruit and, and and even in one year, I think we the, one of the guys he he led like thirty people to the Lord here, you oh, know. Wow. And so we also have another thing, and I didn't mention, but it's called R and R. So it's called Restore and oh, Restoration. Sure. So it's kind of like a, a celebrator recovery type of thing, and helps yeah, yeah, people sure, with addictions. Sure. And and so we a lot of those people went through that because that's where a lot of these people got saved was through their addictions. And so um, and so we've seen so much fruit just from people that are church, church of misfits. Cause we have so many people yeah. that had so many struggles, but it's just cons- the consistency of just pouring into their life and not giving up on them. Even when they make failures and mistakes, that is because of that consistency. I felt like, like the, what Jesus did with the disciples, with Peter and all of them, you know, they fell all the sure time enough. and made mistakes, but he just kept pouring into their life, showing them a little bit more, you know, and that's what I feel like with our church. We just been, we've seen that, great fruit and it's starting to taste really good, you know, and, uh, and we yeah. find really success with that. Yeah, honestly. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I know for me, you know, I hope that no pastor tuning in ever says, well, yeah, good for you guys, because truth be told, if we dig down just an inch below the surface of what helped you succeed, it's not, I mean, it's not charisma and, 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 and I mean, no offense to you or anybody yeah. else, but it's not, it's not the charisma and the talent and the, Hey, we're just better. It's like, man, we just tried to holistically disciple people, do the best, you know, create this foundation, create this culture. And that's something we all could do. You know, a pastor can look at their church board and say, can we collectively go deeper? And they can look and say, can we dive into some stuff with our church? Because worst case scenario, you get a church that's healthier. You know, you get a church that, that just like you're, you're, you shared about that gal who said, Hey, I've been coming here 42 years and I still feel refreshed and rejuvenated and deepened in my faith. But oftentimes that's going to become the seed bed for, you know, for momentum and for growth. And so, Man, well, uh, last question for you is uh, as we kind of, you know, continue on this journey through through your own life and ministry. Uh, so you did mention, though, that even with these great classes, even with these kind of awesome bit of bedrock and, and, and awesome stuff, you mentioned that there's a season right now where, yes, they exist. Yes, they're there, but they're not exactly the, the biggest part of what your church does. And you specifically talked about you specifically talked about how, uh, you know, you've kind of had this opportunity to serve a new church. And so my question is like, how has God, you know, like, like as those things dwindled, where did you find that growth? And like, how has God worked through that? So, as I was saying, we were uh, in the theater and uh, we, our, like, we were running over a hundred. And then all of a sudden, like, 
man, the the problem with our discipleship is is 18. It was like, what do you do with these people that just got out of the the new membership class, how do they, they got to wait 18 weeks before they start the next class. And, and so, so, so we were trying to do some different things, but it was just hard. So we were, we were eventually going to go to where we would record some of the, the, the foundations class and they could watch them and go on. But our church actually had dwindled to about 60 people, man, all of a sudden it's just like, man, it's just like, and I think a lot of it is because we were in the theater, we didn't have a, an actual church sure. as a kind building. Of what you talked about with the home, you know, and things like that. So we kind of lost that the the fervency of of not necessarily discipleship, but just the fervency of being a family and being the connection part. And so, so I made the decision um, back in June to to come back to our current building. And so we moved back here, even though we're really crowded. And we decided, well, let's try to make it work. We'll, you know, we'll we'll get rid of some whatever we need to do sound booths and to try to make some more. So we, we came back here and, uh, but and our attendance has started to come back up, but a lot of the people just, they didn't want to go through any more foundations class. And so we had some other stuff starting to, to go. And so, um, so anyway, so I was approached by our, our, our district leadership and uh, they had told me about this church that was about 50 miles from us, that they were down to about six or seven people. And the pastor was retiring and leaving, and he had been there for six, seven years, and he's only had six, seven people in the church, and they oh, were going to sure. close the doors to this church. And so I prayed about it. And so uh, me and several of my leaders, we took turns preaching over there. And 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 as we were going there, we, we, we at first, I'm like, well, there's not much hope here. I mean, I mean everybody yeah, in this I mean, church is yeah, 70 and tough, older. Yeah. There's one yeah. gentleman that's only in his 50s. I mean, but... They had a brand new building. They had their building paid for. So they were looking at money, but not necessarily numbers. And so sure. as we started talking about his leadership, we're like, man, this ground is so like hadn't been tilled, tilled up at all. It was so sure, there sure. was they needed to, to be tilled up and there was there's going to be some fertile ground out there. And we really felt that. So so we transitioned to adopt them. We kind of made nice. them a satellite church of ours. And so a uh, campus church. And so my youth pastor actually is is preaching over there, but we adopted this church, even though it's a little bit distance. And uh, so we, we took the church under our name. They, they carry our name now, which is actually new hope. And so, uh, so we're, we're considered Kimball new hope and they're considered Dalton new hope. So Dalton is about, nice. is about fifth, about a, not an hour drive. Um, sure. Cause you can just go down the interstate and get there. But uh, so as we were, we were trying to do that, it was all of a sudden, it felt like our church kind of went like, like we had lost a lot of the momentum and then all of a sudden it started to come back and it just yeah. felt like it, it, that was a kind of the, the new fresh breath in our lives sure. is that, is that man, we were so internally focused on discipleship, discipleship that yeah, we actually kind of lost the sure. outreach yeah. part of it. And this huh. was an opportunity for our church to say, okay, we can help another church that's struggling. You know, we have the resources, we have the people, we didn't have to have the money, but we had people right. and we had, you know, right. we had ideas and wit and, and vision. So that kind of rejuvenated our church. And now we're, now we're back up to about 80 people again, you know? Oh, and wow. so, so I feel like, man, that was kind of like the, the, the breath of air that the fresh breath that we needed, you know, it was just to set it instead of only focus internally that we had to focus out outwardly. And, uh, and I think that helped our church. We're still doing discipleship. We're still doing those things, but now we're pouring into another church who was really struggling. And, and that's one thing I would say to any pastor 
you know, yeah. that if you're, if you see another church struggling, even if you can just provide wisdom or, or, you know, just things that you could help them with. And at first, that's what I thought I was just going to do. We were just going to give them some advice. Yeah, an and and role, then yeah, pretty soon I felt like God said, no, they need to be a part of your church. And so, uh, and so we call it a pack. So it's called a sure. pack church. So it's a parent affiliated church. Yeah, and nice. so, yeah. uh, and so, but it, it's such a great model. And, you know, and uh, so, so what we do for our worship is, uh, we, we do our fa- worship on Facebook Live, and they watch the worship over there. And then and then pretty soon my youth pastor just preaches, and I preach over here. And so it's kind of nice. worked. And, and their church hasn't quite grown yet, but it's, he's just getting us established. We actually just took this over in January. So we're oh, just wow. in so a couple fresh, months fresh. of this. Yeah, but sure. through the, the last five months of kind of considering taking over the church, it, it's really brought this new new exuberance and you know energy and, and zeal in our church and and I think it was because we we actually did focus uh, on this other church and I think that's just it really has helped us as leadership as me as you know our congregation just uh, you know and even people in our town have heard that we've actually trying to help another struggling church and so I think that was it was great for them to hear that kind of things too so you know, when you were talking, one of the things I thought of that that hopefully encourages any pastors listening is I remember that Old Testament story um, where I believe it was Jacob, and I could be quoting this wrong because I'm just kind of thinking of it, but, you know, they, or maybe it was, I don't know, could have been any of the patriarchs. You know, I'm sure somebody who just is right on the ball with these references is going to get it for me. But but there was that story where where one of these guys was rolling around and they, they dug a well, you know, and that well was then quarreled over by these people. And so they went and dug a second well. And then they finally dug a third well, you know, and, and then finally they they found a place of peace, you know, and they and they found life coming out of that well. And I when you were talking, it just it just really encouraged me. I was like, what if pastors are getting burnt out because the well that has previously produced life is just like it's just not in the same place. And so you kind of got to go dig into a new well. And for your church, man, discipleship is not a bad thing. And yet for the life of your church, you had to dig in a new well. You kind of had to say, hey, what's, what's another source? of growth and life and closeness to God. And so I would just encourage any pastor listening, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's a church where you can help out, but maybe there's just another thing, you know, and maybe yeah. it's just time to pray and say, God, this has worked for us for 10 years, five years, two years, whatever it is. And say, okay, now that it's worked, let's not just marry the model. Let's, let's marry the mission. You know, let's, let's find a different way to do the same thing. And so, uh, so that's such killer insight, man. You know, I just, I just want to say, uh, I just want to say thanks, you know, Pastor Alvin, for being on the podcast today. This has just been a delightful conversation. Well, I sure enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, anything that we can, you know, I've, I've learned through so many pe- pastors that have poured into my own life. And sure. I feel the same way that if I can just shed a little bit of hope. So because we have so many pastors that walk away from, you know, from life, but also those new pastors that maybe come from a Bible college, but they don't want they don't right. know about a rural life. And so if they sure. can hear some experiences about good things, because sometimes all you yeah. hear is the bad things about rule. But if you can hear some positive things about rural churches and, you know, that it gives some of those people that are coming out of Bible colleges some hope, like, hey, man, I can make it in a rural community setting. And there's people that are helping me and there's resources and, you know, there's so much thing out there. But uh, I just, hopefully whatever I said, hopefully it, it puts some seed and some hope in some people's other lives. And so hopefully any other pastor that's listening, that's maybe in a rural setting that you just, you get hope and and realize that you're not in it alone. And if you are reach out to somebody, get some help, you know, because 
we, we could do more in ministry if we go together and then trying to do it ourselves and getting burned out. And, you know, and, and maybe we are out of ideas. Maybe we just need some, somebody to spark sure. a new idea. And so maybe that, maybe just those ideas will say, man, you know, I never thought about doing this in my church. That'll help, you know, dig another well. And so, so yeah. thank you, Joe, also for hosting me and having me come and speak. Yeah, absolutely. And amen. You know, I just, one of our hearts here at Rural Advancement, if you're listening is, uh, uh, you know, I include my email in each each of the show notes. And I just want you to know that, like, if you want to reach out with ideas or feedback or even just to get encouragement, um, count us here at Real Advancement as friends, friends of pastors who are trying to make it work and do God's work in a small place. Uh, a few practical things, of course, feel free to check us out on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on www.realadvancement.com. And, uh, and again, our goal every single week is to bring you content that speaks right to the heart of rural ministry. Um, but most of all, honestly, um, you know, true to the rural form, a lot of how this podcast and other resources are going to spread is by word of mouth. So if you find yourself listening to this and you think of a pastor who uh, could benefit from the wisdom of the of the group, you know, of, of what the Holy Spirit's done and worked in each of our lives, uh, feel free to share the link, you know, and we're always excited to chat with you. Uh, but for now, I have been Joe Epley and he has been Pastor Alvin Kosky and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.